0: Coming up in Need to Know, we sneak into our subconscious to see what those wild dreams are trying to tell us. And in all the fields, Ward and Webster have officially entered the Terrible Twos. It's our birthday, y'all. And in Gotta Do, we dedicate our final Fit February segment to youth mental wellness with special guest and psychotherapist, Xanthia Johnson. The podcast that encourages you to know, feel, and do to live your very best life. This is Warden Webster.
1: happy anniversary where's my gift
0: no (laughs) i i am the gift i came back i am the gift (laughs) hello bianca how are you i am delightful and always delicious how are you I think
1: I'm great. I think for a third anniversary, I would prefer something made with your hands, <laughs> like a southern jelly cake, oh, um, a, a praline, ooh, a beignet. Uh, Mardi Gras was this week. Something. Ooh, you had so many options, and I I received nothing.
0: I feel like as the one from Louisiana, and you're mentioning all of those southern things why aren't you why aren't you making those things first of all where is my jelly cake you've been talking about jelly cakes for a minute i don't even know what the hell that is Ooh, it's <laughs> run,
1: so good, run, it's me so good. <laughs> run me my jelly cake
0: run me my jelly cake
1: it's so good long story short it's basically just a yellow cake with instead of icing jelly but it's so good i know it sounds cuz the face you are making you like that doesn't sound too good that sounds like a sandwich <laughs> It's not a jelly sandwich, it's a jelly cake, and it's re- It's a real thing. You know what, I'm going to find a recipe and post it to our social media, and if you're on your good behavior, I might ask my good, good stepmother, Gloria, to make us one.
0: Oh, uh, Shirley don't make jelly cakes?
1: You don't want nothing out of her oven. She don't want nothing. <laughs> she can't say, she can't say, let's bake. So no, she can send you a daily bread, but she can't make a bread.
0: Come on, daily bread. <laughs> That's what I do need, though. <laughs>
1: Today's episode of Warden Webster is brought Woo! to you by the letter Z. As in, I don't know, I don't have anything. Zion, Zebra, Zodiac. Can we even Zealous. This? As an anniversary gift to ourselves, can this be the last letter? No. Bianca, <laughs> like, I don't think if we did a poll, I just don't think this is as popular as
0: you think it is. This is so much fun. It is a and it's we stole it from Sesame Street. If I'm being honest, (laughs) and so we are paying homage because this is their 50th anniversary. I think of Sesame Street is this year, so I feel like we are doing the world a service.
1: We're lucky that the lawyers of Sesame Street don't (laughs) listen to Warden Webster because we would have gotten a cease and desist by now. I'm sure. But whatever. I, I think Wander getting please get into these mentions. I think it's time to let this go. But even if we don't let it go, it's your turn. So I'm just gonna it's sit here exactly. for the next twenty-six weeks
0: <laughs> and pretend like I don't care. And how amazing is it that it and just aligned that letter Z is our anniversary, it's our birthday season. Like it's just it 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 just really makes sense. It's coming full circle. Our birthday is also a Pisces. We already talked about they are balanced and evolved.
1: You know what I just remember? Our last season premiere, our season two season premiere a year ago is the most listened to episode ever. What if this season premiere becomes the number one show listened ever? How can we manifest
0: that? We're going to. By telling people just right off top, just, just look, wonders, (laughs) you don't have to do much. (laughs) Copy the link... (laughs) of this here show on whatever you listen to and text it to three friends. I was about to say five, but I'm, I don't want to be greedy. Send this to three friends and tell them, Hey, just check out. Just, just, just give this a tickle.
1: And you want to know why it's three? It's three because this is our third season mm-hmm. because I'm Isaiah Webster the mm-hmm. third and because of the Trinity, you know, mm. I'm not talking about holy. I'm talking about <laughs> onion, Bell pepper and garlic, the trinity
0: for New Orleans Southern cooking.
1: Because what? We're going to stay on theme.
0: What? Today. (laughs) No, even more so. Once again, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Rosa Parks. Because this is also the last Saturday of this here Black History Month. We are giving you all of the reasons to share this here podcast. Thank you.
1: In honor of our third anniversary, we have a pop culture roundup. That's right. My pop culture roundup is back, Bianca. I don't know if you know this or not. Item number one, I follow Ebony Magazine on social media, on Twitter, because every once in a while they throw something up there and I'm like, what's? Well, child, sweetie, they did a cover. Actually, it's their February 2023 cover with Jonathan Majors. Now, I have to admit, y'all know, I am i don't know about people. I didn't know who this man was before this week. But trust me, you would want to know him because he is beautiful. Now, Bianca, before we get into the issue here,
0: did you know, do you know Jonathan Majors? He has been in quite a few films, um, both, I think both of the creeds, he was um, just in that Ant-Man and the Wasp that uh Noah just went to see. He is a film star, but more importantly, his body is amazing. <laughs> he has a great part. body of work.
1: That part. So anyway, um, he's on the cover of um Ebony for February 2023. The cover is him sitting on a couch in a pink little coat legs crossed, and it just says, Jonathan Majors, Hollywood's Most Wanted. That, that's the cover. Now, Bianca, when I first saw it, I didn't know that this was actually a send-up to a certain character. Apparently, there is a cartoon slash anime character that dresses a little bit the way that Jonathan is dressed in this photo. And so this photo shoot was actually, they were doing an homage to the character. And I, once we, once we get into it here, I can look up the name of the character for reference. But what caught my eye, Bianca, was as I was looking at this on social media, there were people who were tweeting about this and retweeting it. And they were saying some things that weren't very flattering. And I'm just going to read the comment that caught my eye, and then we'll take it from there. So this is Dr. Boyce Watkins. I don't know who that is, but this is some sort of um black personality. Take take my word for it. And he says, quote, ladies, this is how Hollywood defines black masculinity. That's why so many of your men are defeated and weak. End quote. Now, Bianca, he said all of that came out of his mouth <laughs> because of the cover of Ebony. So then, you know, I got into this rabbit hole of reading the comments and girl. There was, I was stunned. So, you know, let me back up. You expect one or two people to say something crazy because one or two people are crazy. Bianca, the only reason I'm bringing this topic up is because there were quite a few Black people in these comments saying all sorts of crazy things. And I was stunned. I was like, wait a minute. Is this what we really need to be debating right now? Is the Ebony cover and how it's doing something against masculinity? First of all, this is a magazine cover. That's, That's all it is. And second of all, this is Ebony magazine. So whatever you wanna say about Hollywood and what Hollywood may be doing about our masculinity, I don't think anyone can say that Ebony represents Hollywood, quote unquote.
0: People have too much time on their hands to be miserable because why, I, and I have been seeing many of, the, many of the things and the thing pieces and the, and the demise of the black man. <laughs> because, because he's on the cover of a magazine looking gorgeous, by the way. And he was on the cover of their, Um, this isn't his first Ebony thing because he did like a digital spread. It was like him just half naked with like roses <laughs> looking delicious to me. Okay. But why is it that we are so quick to Talk about the emasculating of 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 black men in this way, and I feel like this is this feels new. This feels because again, we had Prince and pumps, <laughs> okay, and we had Prince and pumps. We had the Isley Brothers and crop tops and bell bottoms. <laughs> we had Rick James, Rick Jamesing, okay, and nobody was then like some of your musical faves were out here giving quote-unquote very feminine attire but nobody was saying then that they were you know we were emasculating them and they were not men and just all of this bullshit.
1: what really annoyed me Bianca is that it was couched in the idea that this isn't the Vogue cover. This is the Ebony cover. Like, how dare Ebony do this? Like the the subtext of the comments was that they would expect this on Vogue, but they don't expect this sort of thing to be on Ebony. That's that was the subtext of a lot of the comments that I read. And there was even people saying that his legs were crossed in a feminine way. And I was like, so wait, so now, so now black men aren't allowed to cross their legs?
0: I make it make sense. <laughs> we have so much more as black people to worry about wait until they find
1: out that i'm sucking dick over here so they're <laughs> gonna really
0: they're gonna really
1: be shocked
0: don't tell them isaiah please don't tell i them. just
1: bianca it took me back to my childhood where in the black community there were all these rigid nonsense rules about what black men could and could not do you can't wear pink it can't be frilly you can't cross your legs they have to be squared like that is fuckery and foolishness. And for us to even be wasting, black men are literally getting gunned down in the American streets. And to think that we have any time at all to be debating amongst ourselves about an ebony cover. Cause let's be clear, Bianca, ain't a single white person concerned about the ebony cover are talking about it. So this debate is solely within black communities. Black communities are now debating the ebony cover and what it says about masculinity. And to your point, I think we have a lot more important things to do.
0: Period. You item know number two. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: I'm Ooh, sorry, I'm not up taking child. another blood pressure pill. Item number two, and this is a great item. I'm just going to read the headline, Bianca, and then I'm going to turn it over to you. R. Kelly sentenced to 20 more years in federal prison over child porn case.
0: Take it away he is never going to feel grass under his big toe <laughs> cuz this is now um 50 years because he is currently serving 30 years and they're adding another 20 years. Robert Kelly is 56. Um so if he does all of that their time and hopefully he will just just
2: yeah.
1: So this is the point that I wanted to make when we were talking earlier and we weren't recording. I said I was going to hold it. So now his freedom is no longer a question. He should be behind somebody's bars for the rest of his days. Good. Here's what I want to see next. How can we ruin his career so that he's not making any coin, his estate's not making any coin, and nobody who's dependent upon said coin can get to said coin? Because you know what I'm concerned about now is, you know, people out here buying his music to quote unquote support him,
0: trash. Is there anything we can do Can we sign a petition <laughs> I don't Because a lot of um, And I'm curious to see what streaming Platforms because quite a few To my knowledge Streaming platforms have Taken his music Down Oh, no, hold on. No, no. They still, mm -mm. oh, hell. Damn it, Spotify. Still got it up. Uh, (laughs) But you're right. People are, there are some folks who are definitely going to be like, I'm going to have this on repeat for the next 26 days, this uh, Ignition (laughs) remix, so that he can have something on his books.
1: So I guess all we can do is shame Spotify and protest Spotify and just say that we're not going to support them as a company because we can't make them do anything because obviously, I mean, I guess that's where we're at. Hold on now, (laughs) because I like that they're
0: Spotify. (laughs) That's where I listen to Warren and Webster every Wednesday. That's (laughs) That's it, pick it, everything except
1: this, this iconic (laughs)
0: podcast. That part, but I don't want to be going, I don't want to be going to your um, baby's fifth birthday and you over there playing Step in the Name of Love. I don't want that for you.
1: So here's the thing. Thought about doesn't give a fuck about our killer. Let's be clear. They care about the coin. So they must be making money or they wouldn't be doing it. And what I'm what the point I'm really trying to make here in this item, Bianca, is nobody needs to be making money off someone who's going to jail for 20 years for child rape offenses. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Item number. Speaking two. of more mess. Item number three, more people going to jail, that should go. Harvey Weinstein was sentenced in Los Angeles to 16 years in prison for sexual assault. This, is according to the great people over at CNN.
0: He is already <laughs> serving a 23 year prison sentence and another 16 years on top of that.
1: Yes, put him under the jail. You know what? I have no sympathy and i'm sorry if it sounds like i'm i have too much glee in in these last two items but i have no sympathy bianca for powerful men using their influence and power over p over the least among us women children all the rest there's no excuse for that put them under the jail and throw away the key that's it that's all
0: (laughs) i'm being honest done and done
1: In this week's Need to Know, the Ward and Webster Better You Book Club continues with a discussion and review of Dream Dictionary, an A to Z guide to dream symbols and psychology by Eric Ackroyd, published in 2020. I'm just going to go ahead and say, Bianca, that I loved this book, and I also want to say that this is by no means the the best or the most important topic we've covered on this show in the book club. There have been far better topics, but just, this was just right up my alley. And you know, when I say right up my alley, I mean, lube worthy, right up my alley. (laughs) That's the second sex reference
0: in the first five minutes. (laughs) I was going to, we're not even, (laughs) and mind you, we just told the Wonders to share this here particular episode. You know what? Let's.
1: Let's not hide from ourselves. Let's just show them what we really, show them who we really are right here up front. Did you finish the book? Nope. Okay. Fair. How far did you, wait, did you read the first 60 pages? Cause really I'm the, that's part of what I wanted to get into.
0: I did not. And let me tell you why. Okay. <laughs> okay.
1: As she holds the book, she has not read.
0: Go ahead. Bea. When I opened it up and I said, what is this 0.005 times new Roman text? my eyes crossed. <laughs> and I was like, this is why I only do audio. Because it the, the font, the text is to <laughs> it's that small. So 60 pages is really mm, 360. Pages it is not. Tiny, you're exact. Don't you're going
1: to scare the wonders. It really wasn't. Now, it is. Now, y'all, I, even with her spectacles on, she probably can't see it because it really is small, but yeah. it's not bad. It's probably equivalent to maybe 100 pages. But anyway, so, so you didn't read it because of the text was
0: small? No. Life was also lifing, but I did skim. I got to the, I got to the things, but what I did do um, was get more so into the interpretation, the actual dictionary portion of it all.
1: Okay, well, you know what? It's going to be fine. There's been several times where you've reviewed things where I didn't look, watch them or whatever, and it's worked out fine. I think that can work today. One other question. So I have a couple of dreams I documented that I want to walk through. Did you document any dreams this month as we asked the Wonders to do?
0: I did, and I actually documented a dream that I had last night that included one of our coworkers, and it was very weird. Carry can on. you
1: tell me the coworker? Because I like to shame people.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. Carry on. <laughs>
1: Okay, here's the description of the book. Dreams provide vital clues to hidden feelings, fears, and desires. Understanding your dreams can lead to greater self-awareness and self-healing. Each image that appears in a dream has a meaning, and the Dream Dictionary is an invaluable, detailed guide to decoding those meanings. The book begins with an extensive introduction from the classic theories of Freud and Jung to more recent ideas on dream analysis. It provides a wealth of background information on the study of dreams and on the images examined in the dictionary section. So, Bianca, what I really appreciated about this book was the first 60 pages are really that introduction and that kind of overview of what dream analysis is. And the first 60 pages really focus on the work of Dr. Freud and Dr. Young. Now, these are psychiatrists that are are well-known. They're kind of legendary in a number of spheres. They both are considered to be the traditional, classic, whatever word you want to use. Kind of like when we think about the quintessential idea of what dream analysis is, these are the doctor's That people turn to. And so what the author of this book does is that he starts there. He starts by saying, this is what dream analysis is. This is the history of dream analysis. This is what these doctors have put into the public sphere about this check. Now let's talk about what's been laid on top of that so that you can further understand kind of where dream analysis is now before we even get to the dictionary. So the total book is just over three hundred pages. Three hundred and ten pages is the is the entire book. But the first sixty pages is that overview. And then after those first sixty pages is the dictionary. So Bianca, what I would say to the wonders? You don't really need to read the dictionary, cover to cover. You can just use the dictionary to look up the symbols. From your dreams that you want to define. Now, for the past month, as you all know, I've been asking you to document your dreams. And so, if you've done that, if you've been documenting your dreams for the last month, what you can do is use the dictionary in this book to look up what those dreams mean. And what I really like about this book, Bianca, is that it doesn't define your dreams for you, it lays out how dream analysis works. It gives you the pros and the cons. It gives you some of the definitions of the symbols, and then you have to draw your own conclusions. And really, that's the essence of it. And that's why I like the book so much. I'm going to get into uh, Freud on dreams and Jung on dreams here in a second. Anything you wanted to say or clarify before I get into that?
0: So, one of the things that I did. Um that I never thought of, so even in the very beginning of the book, and we talk about documenting your dreams, so it is always, um, even though I might keep pen and paper by the bed, or my phone, so that I could kind of just create some notes, because I want to try to capture everything, or as much as possible, but it literally says, instead of writing, you can make a voice recording, unless you have a sleeping partner, whom you would rather not wake in, I don't know why it never dawned on me to like, record the (laughs) thing that makes so much more sense that's such a 2023
1: way to do it we've done it the old-fashioned way writing shit down
0: because as i'm writing it down like i'm forgetting things like if i were to just pick up my phone and hit record and just be like i was at this place this happened this person was there you know i feel like that'd be so simple so shame on me but i feel like the husband would be like girl what the hell are you doing well, even though we didn't think about that on the front end, that's, it doesn't stop
1: anyone from doing that now. They could still mm-hmm. approach it that way. And, you know, um, you're going to dream forever. So do it starting tonight. That part When you dream about that gift, you're going to give me. On page 15, I just want to read what it says about Dr. Freud here. I'm just going to read a paragraph or so to give the wonders an idea of how Eric Ackroyd sets up this uh, overview of the study of Freud first, and then um, young Next, I'm reading on page 15 of the book, Bianca. This is under Freud on dreams. Sigmund Freud and Carl Jung represent strongly contrasting approaches to dream interpretation. Some would say that Freud offers a more superficial or more blinkered approach and Jung a more profound mode of interpretation. Personally, though, I share this view to some extent. I think there is a great deal to be learned from both these men and both should be taken account of precisely because they are so different from each other. And so right off the bat, he's setting up this kind of versus, if you will, like one guy sees it this way, the other guy sees it that way. And here's what I took away from that. It'll come as no surprise, Bianca, to you and to the wonders that Dr. Freud, the biggest criticism about him is that he thought everything was about sex. Everything was either about your sex or your parents. Are you wanting to have sex with your parents? Like it, it was all about one of them. And the author was like, let me just go ahead and tell y'all that that's, you know, the chief criticism about him is that. And so they don't run away from that point. And Young, in particular doesn't run away from that point. So on page 34, Bianca, the author sets up, you know, the other approach. So what I just read was the approach from Sigmund Freud Here's the other approach I'm now reading on page 34, where it says Jung on dreams. To move from Freud to Jung is to enter a very different world. Carl Jung was at one time a disciple and colleague of Freud, but later rejected much of Freud's teaching. To distinguish his own approach from Freud, he used the title of, quote, analytical psychology, end quote, as against Freud's, quote, psychoanalytical psychology or psycho analysts. Some of you will find Jung more to your liking, others Freud. What I recommend, however, is that you keep an open mind and see which approach fits you and your dreams better. It is more than likely that some of your dreams will naturally call for a Freudian kind of interpretation, whilst others will be more adequately interpreted in the Jungian way end quote. So I thought that that was very instructful. And then from there, he goes into some of the classic ways that we analyze dreams and kind of how and what they are about to make a very long story short. Freud seemed to think that most dreams were about sex, because most of the things that held us back in life were about sex. And so he seemed to think that almost everything in the dream came back to that in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Again, Cliff's notes, Young disagrees and thinks that it's a little bit more nuanced than that. And what the author tries to do is essentially split the middle and say, okay, let's see Which of these thought processes have value? And as opposed to discarding one for the other, maybe there's some truth somewhere in the middle. And Bianca, generally speaking, I think that when you have two uh, opposing points of view, if you can find the middle ground, then that's probably where the truth lies.
0: Agreed. And they are two very contrasting views, that I think um, when we think about certain dreams or even in the dictionary, like how it interprets, like you can see where one could lean more, whatever the, the symbolism or whatever you're dreaming about, depending on what that is, could lead more to Freud over Jung, depending on what it is.
1: Okay. So let's get into the dreams. Let me share with you So I documented quite a bit, but I'm not going to go into my whole list. Let me pull up my list and I'll share with you just the top line. And then I took out all the dirty ones because, you know, quite a a lot of my dreams are not appropriate for really any setting. So I've kind of cleaned up the list somewhat. Let me go to my dreams. When you document your dreams, if you have, they're just funny. So I'm just going to read these and I'm going to see what Bianca's reactions are. Watching TV with Shannon Sharp. You know who Shannon Sharp is? No, who's that? He's a retired football player.
0: Oh my God.
1: And he's, he wasn't even a 49er. So it's, it's weird, but I do watch one of his shows. But anyway, watching TV with Shannon Sharp. He leaves the room because I keep switching channels. That was the dream. That's all I can remember from the dream. Another one. I'm at a bus stop with a toddler boy. He falls in the mud and so do I. But was it poo? That's, what, that's literally what I wrote down. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I wrote down. <laughs> Like, did we fall in mud or poo? I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm still not sure. <laughs> and then the last, one, and then the last one was this is crazy: singing islands in the stream with a coworker. Okay. With coworker, I can't say soaking <laughs> soaking wet in public. Literally, water pouring off my head. And this was the same dream. So those are just the three. Those are just the three I'm going to go with. There was more, but suffice it to say, th- those were all crazy. Now the reason i'm sharing these three bianca because to me none of them are obvious in terms of interpretation so all three of them would lend themselves to like looking up in the book because i couldn't figure out what any of those meant so before we go into the book dictionary did you write down any that you can share here that we might want to look up in this dictionary
0: oh my god um (laughs) because yours were I actually, not recent, but I still want to, now that we're doing this, want to talk about the um, dream I had about you and Sean and Madonna, (laughs) when she was...
1: We can use the dictionary today to get to
0: the bottom of that. So that was one. My most recent one, though, uh, the one I had last night was a coworker and i were at a bar a very dark bar at that and i was telling them that i wanted one of the drinks with the good ice you know what the do you know what the good ice is so good <laughs> it's literally called I don't, the good i do the good ice is the hospital ice where it's those little round pellets that kind of um they kind of dissolve differently in your mouth. They have it at like Sonic and um, the hospital, but it's literally known as the good ice. <laughs> okay, I don't call it the good ice, but I know what you're talking about.
1: And yes, it is qua- it's, it's high quality it's,
0: frozen water. It's high quality frozen water. So we're in this bar and behind the bar, the bartender is like using a machine that has the good ice so i asked for a drink with the good eyes and i got um vodka and pineapple juice why can i remember that because i can taste it it was very weird so that's a second one and then a third one i'm always mindful of anytime i have a dream where i am driving in a car because cars are supposed to represent your body but i am driving in a car Using my GPS coming from the airport, trying to get to a park to see noah's one of Noah's teachers, and I am like in and out of traffic, getting lost, trying to get to this park just to see this man. I do not know why <laughs> he was in my dream. I'm gonna leave it there because some of the other ones might not be appropriate, but I did also have my reoccurring dream where I try to go back to <laughs> where I try to go back to high school, and they don't let me in. <laughs>
1: Okay. So this is a good point. Maybe we can talk about some of the drawbacks of this book. So my first dream was about a celebrity it was about television it was about changing channels when i looked in the dictionary there wasn't an entry for celebrity and there wasn't an entry for television so before we even do that you had mentioned to me off recording that you had you had, had another dictionary and you thought like it was better than this one you want to just share with the wonders a little bit about why you said that if it isn't obvious already
0: <laughs> so i actually have a few i actually have a few dream dictionaries that i've Kind of collective for a long time because I love this. But same issue. So I started with wanting to look up um my reoccurring high school dream because I've been having that dream for years. High school isn't in there, school isn't in there, class isn't in there, building isn't in there. Like there were just so many things where I was like, okay, what if I don't call it this? What if I call it this? And so that became very difficult in this book. So I was like, oh well, I have another dictionary I can use. Or dreamdictionary.org (laughs) there are now websites there's so many websites so i would say that it is good that if there is a website or two same with with the dream dictionaries i have a few because sometimes i like to compare what is isn't in one might be in another or what does this one say versus that one so similar to again to the websites like if there are a few different resources you use or hey let's let's take it to church if King James version is not <laughs> your preference, what does the message say? Yeah. <laughs> Option.
1: <laughs> okay. So I'm, I kept looking as you were talking. So they didn't have celebrity, but they do have an entry for famous people. So maybe okay. that's the other thing. You just have to look for, for synonyms. So I'm going to repeat my dream before, we, before I read the dictionary. I'm watching TV with Shannon Sharp. He is a famous retired football player. He leaves the room that he and I are watching television in, and he left the room because he was frustrated with me changing the channels. That's all I remember. Here's what the dictionary says about famous people. And there's three entries, Bianca. I'm on page 170. If some public figure or celebrity appears in a dream, the person may be there to express something about you or someone close to you. Number two, the famous person may represent what you would like to be. This may correspond to your shadow self, the other side of your personality that is still buried in your subconscious. If so, it means you can incorporate into your conscious life those desired qualities that you see in the famous person because they are already present in you. And third, alternatively, what the famous person represents may be a part of your personality or behavior patterns that you have refused to acknowledge. For example, aggressiveness, will to dominate. A couple of things about Shannon Sharp. So Shannon Sharp has this um, talk show on TV where he talks about football and basketball and all the rest. And I watch his show. So it's not unusual that he would be in a dream because he's one of like the TV people that I watch and listen to. And we were watching TV together. So I guess that's not a, that big of a stretch because I watch him on TV all the time. So that we're watching TV together in a dream. Maybe we're watching his fucking show. I don't know. What I just read from the dictionary, I don't really know that there's anything about him that I necessarily want to emulate per se. Anyway, let's get into you and me and Madonna and uh, Sean.
0: That was such a good dream. <laughs> that was such a good dream. Dream. Um, so then where would I even start with that? Because once again, there was no classroom. There was no Did you look up teacher? I looked up look teacher. Up... There's no okay. teacher because I was School? also School? Not there. Friends. Again. We were friends of
1: yours. Did you look up friends?
0: I, I could probably look up friends.
1: Okay. Did you look up Madonna? <laughs>
0: <laughs> she would probably be in there, child. <laughs> Probably okay, friend, companion. Let's just, yeah, we'll just do this one. If in your dream you have a friend or companion of the same sex as yourself, he or she may symbolize your alter ego or shadow, which consists of those aspects of your personality that you have so far neglected or repressed. Even in real life, we may project onto other people some of the content of our own unconscious, repressed sadism, for instance, or other inferiority complex. Okay, I'm sorry, I should skip that one, okay. If the friend slash companion in the dream is of the opposite sex, which is more relevant here, he or she may represent the animus and the anima. The anima is the feminine side of the male psyche. The animus is the masculine side of the female psyche. Acknowledgement of this contrasexual element in the psyche and its assistance in tackling life's tasks are essential for the personal wholeness. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> Again, this book was a lot. So then I will go to dreamdictionary.com dot But drinking. So I was trying to um I was trying to find um something related to the, the bar dream that I was having with our coworker drinking is in the dictionary so it's on 154 if you're drinking this usually this will usually mean your unconscious is offering you something which if accepted will improve the quality of your life if you do not in the dream accept the drink make sure you do on the next occasion or relive the dream only this time taking the drink and swallowing it It is this way you may come to identify what it is that is being offered. So I did, now that I think about it, because even just talking about it, I do recall that I took the drink, but it wasn't a good ice. (laughs) And I remember saying, but I want the good ice. Ice (laughs) is in the (laughs) drink.
1: Maybe this is all a replacement for you feeling as though you are settling in the realm of nourishment. In other words, don't settle for that off brand which is the bad ice. G- get what you want. Get get the good good name brand.
0: Get the good crackers. <laughs> get the get the good shit. It says ice ice may be a symbol of sexual frigid, frigidity. <laughs>
1: This is Dr. Freud talking.
0: I cannot. Carry on.
1: <laughs> okay, let's get into me and the toddler and the bus stop. So I'm let's. gonna read the dream again, Bianca. And I want you to tell me what you think is the most important element to look up because there's several elements there, and I can't decide what's the most important. I'm at a bus stop. I'm with a toddler boy. He falls in the mud, and then I fall down trying to like break his fall or whatever. And then I distinctly remember when we got up, I thought maybe we had. Fallen into poo <laughs> and not mud <laughs> so of that what do you think is the most important element
0: oh my gosh i think the child okay, because the, maybe the child is you because even okay so child is on 119
1: thank and you
0: for number two the child may be a symbol of your true self are you trying to catch yourself from oh my falling god let me into shit
1: <laughs> oh my <laughs> Let me read it first for the wonders. On page 119, yourself. this is what it says. The child may be a symbol of your true self, that which is essentially you and which you are capable of unfolding. The fact that your real self is represented by a child suggests that your true self is a beautiful, unspoiled product of nature. Yes! <laughs> that it is worthy of unresolved love, absolutely. And that it needs the nourishment of your love If it is to grow and unfold all its loveliness. Oh my God. So wait a minute. I was catching myself from the shit of the world (laughs) in my dream. Now, what what was what was the bus? Why were we at a bus stop? I don't know, because I could never see you on a bus. (laughs) Absolutely not. I would never get on a bus. Maybe maybe I was keeping my shield from the shit, the shit being the bus. That's why the bus is there. Avoid getting on the buses because it's it's shit. It's
0: it's crap. That's that's all I got. Literally oh. protecting young Isaiah from all of the elements, public transportation okay. and shit. Can I
1: do one more? Yeah. I'm singing. This is all I remember. I'm singing Islands in the stream. Do you know what islands in the stream is? Mm-hmm.
0: I'm singing Island in
1: the Stream with a coworker. We're soaking wet in public. The water is literally pouring off of our heads.
0: So do you start with singing? Because I feel like for me, that singing is singing. Singing may symbolize the expression of feeling. The feeling may be unconscious. So do not take note of the words, if any. Mm. But you know, I also think the choice of coworker
1: is important here. Like it wasn't you or Angela. It wasn't someone that I had any affinity for. So it, it's weird that this person I would I would to be clear, I wouldn't be doing anything with this person other than working with them. <laughs> so it was weird that
0: they were there.
1: <laughs> and you said you were getting wet? Was it rain? What did you say? I- I don't remember rain. I just remember water pouring off our heads like we had been, like we were either dipped in in a pool or or caught in the rain or something along those lines. I just remember water pouring off my head.
0: Well, on that same page is shower. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) A shower may symbolize refreshment, the giving of new life or new joy in life. Perhaps there's a period of personal growth ahead with your coworker. (laughs) Good night. Who should read this book? (laughs) That's it. That's all. (laughs) I
1: honestly don't know, Bianca. I had so much fun with this book, but you didn't. And it's rare that we're so divergent in our takes on the book. Look, I haven't read a ton of dream dictionaries. I think this may be the second one. And the first one was so long ago, I barely remember it. Maybe I can recommend this book for someone who wants an additional perspective to consider based on what you've already said I don't know that we might want to maybe we don't want to recommend this to someone who doesn't have a good foundation already because it seems to me that in your experience this book might be limited
0: I think it's I I think it's actually both I think it's limited but also very complex because I even think in some of the the interpretations I don't know maybe it's just my fifth grade reading level but I was like huh what (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> mm. um, so I think it is a good resources. Again, I, I am definitely of the belief of writing dreams down. Um, I really, I really honestly do think there is a lot to unpack and uncover in the dreams that we have. I'm, I am wholeheartedly into dream interpretation. And I think that this could be one of many resources. Like there's just a lot of options out there. This wouldn't necessarily be my favorite first go-to but I did like although I didn't read it all I did like the introduction so the background kind of the science of it the Freud versus Young aspect I think is a nice way to kind of set the stage of why I do this and and how we got here
1: we didn't ask the author so we really don't know do you think that having him on would have changed our perspective of this book
0: sure <laughs> I think, and I say that because I think um, I think anytime we have an author on, mm-hmm. there is a new understanding, a new appreciation for th- the word choices, how they got to where they got to, et cetera. I would be curious to know more about who Eric Ackroyd is, just their own kind of biography. Like, why are they yeah are they a leader in dream interpretation like who are they like how did yeah yeah and this first was first published in 1993 so it's been around for a while and it continues to be republished so i guess there's some some benefits
1: um wanders let us know what you thought if you read the book if you have dreams that you want us to interpret and if you if you (laughs) feel like the book unlocked any of your dreams we would love to know that we'll have a Wanderism segment at some point coming up soon and that would be a great if you can share with us how this book helped you to unlock why you were singing in the rain with your co-workers we would love 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 to hear it
0: in this week's all the Fields, we celebrate our second anniversary by exploring the terrible twos of this iconic podcast this podcast is officially a toddler it is <laughs> We're talking a lot about kids today. (laughs) It is officially a toddler. It is uh, learning how to hold its head up efficiently and walk around. (laughs) It's also tearing up shit.
1: Yes, and to clarify, because I confused myself a bit ago, this is the first episode of season three and our seasons are, are a full year. So we've actually completed two full years of shows. So we are now at the very end of our second year, the very first episode of the third year. So we've completed two full years. So if we were two full years into a life, would we, we'd still be in diapers, right? When do, when do kids come out of Probably. diapers?
0: Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd still be in diapers. How um, long? Wait, wait, I'm navigating sorry. Navigating poo.
1: <laughs> I've never had children. How long do they wear the diapers? Because that feels like a long time
0: about they start to transition about two and a half. Maybe
1: three you months. changed diapers for two and a half
0: years? Well, then they move on to pull-ups, so they're no, not no no, like no, no see, that's diapers. a reason
1: not to have any children. But anyway, that's neither here nor
0: there <laughs> <laughs> february twenty first, two
1: thousand and twenty one is when it started Bianca. And I think it's important to remind the wonders. we started this year in the middle of a global pandemic. We weren't even sure if we were going to make it, and that is not even a joke and at the beginning of 2021 there weren't no there weren't no shots we were literally wiping down groceries
0: and staying indoors literally Clorox wipes on the boxes of Eggo waffles okay (laughs) I was wiping down every goddamn can (laughs) that crosses threshold yeah a long way
1: And why do they call them terrible twos again? You're a parent, so you can tell us. I think I know, but I just want to be clear.
0: So it's usually when they really just start to tear shit up. The tantrums happen. But I will, if I were to poll all of my parent friends or people who are child adjacent (laughs) and ask them which is worst, two or three, they would say three. The three-nagers, as we call them, is a horrible time they have more words, more opinions, more more nose, more tantrums, more things. And they have
1: more mobility.
0: Exactly. To tear shit up. <laughs> 3 is tough. It's a 3 is tough. So I don't even believe it's the terrible twos anymore. I think that's just what people kind of know it as cuz 3 is I would never. I would never want to go back to 3 years old with either of those uh of those their children. But, you know, you bring up a good point that we started in the midst of a global pandemic. What a time. Even I just think back to us even talking about getting our own vaccines (laughs) on the shows and getting the shots and side effects and not. And yeah, just all of the things that have happened since we since we started this here podcast.
1: What has been, so we have some, we have three things here in the arc that you put in the arc that we wanted to discuss about the Terrible Twos. The first one is the hardest thing about doing a podcast and I can go first. Mm -hmm. So we made the decision early on to do a weekly show and we could have gone in a lot of different directions. Some shows, you know, do weekly, then they take a break or they go on hiatus. And we, up to this point, we haven't done that and we could change our mind tomorrow. But right now we're giving y'all some new content every week. What I had to get comfortable with Bianca is that when you do a show every week, some are better than others. Let's just, let's just be honest. And, you know, I wanted every show when I first started, I was like, every show is going to be a 10. Bianca and I are going to put out a great show every week. Not to say that we don't have good shows every week, but y'all, let's be honest. Every show is not a 10. Sometimes you get a nine and a half, but you know what? There's not much difference between a nine and a half and a 10. Trust me, you can't feel the difference.
2: (laughs)
0: every inch counts
1: (laughs) you know what I mean so like I had to get over the idea that every show had to be knock it out of the park good and just remember that we want to think about the show in totality not in individual episodes because some episodes are just going to be better than others we've had some really good guests on we have a great guest Mm -hmm. coming up so you know for
0: me the hardest part was just accepting that how about you agreed 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 and we, and look, we said it on our 100th episode, like we come on this here show and give you three distinct segments. <laughs> that is a lot of brain power and things to discuss and, and to figure out. Um, But we do it because you we love you and you're welcome. So I think for me, I agree. Like the idea of not every episode is is gonna be amazing. I think the hardest part, um sometimes really is just coming up with coming up with the segments themselves. I think now we I, we have a rhythm now in terms of our production and kind of kind of plotting things out a month in advance and, and giving it some thought. And I think that that has really helped us because in the beginning, I was struggling. <laughs> I was like, what the hell are we gonna talk about today that we didn't do last week and the week before? and but also wonders some shit you're going to get again (laughs) and you're welcome because we have talked about (laughs) dreams before, but this is a (laughs) more in-depth situation. So yes, we're going to revisit some things because life is going to keep happening and I'm tired. (laughs) So I think sometimes the hardest part is just coming up with that and, um, and really just not, it's not hard, but just really being okay and accepting the fact that it's not always going to be perfect. I know for me also, the hardest part, honestly, has been keeping up with this damn social media. The wonders. I am sorry if you are looking for <laughs> content and things on that there, IG. Bianca's slacking. I don't know, but my life will be changing soon, so I may have some more time to <laughs> put By some the way, posts up. By the way, where's my mug? Okay. All right. So let's go on to... <laughs> Again, life is changing. I may have some time to to put forth some some things. (laughs) Did you have any worst or cringiest moments? Any episodes or things that you look back and you're like, oh, did I say that?
1: Not in particular, but you know, on occasion I do go back and listen to an episode from a year, year and a half ago. And I would not advise you to do that because not all of our commentary, you know, holds up. (laughs)
0: some and of it does not
1: age well <laughs> some of it does not age well and we try to source our information but you know you even said maybe we should do a whole correction segment sometimes we just mangle shit we have our facts wrong last week when i was talking about the super bowl i got all those numbers mixed up in my head and i was telling y'all 50 this 40 that and 30 the other and it was all wrong i don't know why you even
0: tried those roman numerals are, are roman not numerals. easy
1: <laughs> math so all I can think is, I was like, well, hell, most of the Wonders probably don't care anyway. So they don't really care that I got the numbers wrong.
0: <laughs> but mind you, the whole time you were doing it, I was like, why doesn't he just do the year? Because the year was on every every picture. It's 2013.
1: Because I have to be so proper and get all the shit. Correct. And I should have just said Super Bowl and leave off the numbers because I got that all wrong, y'all. But suffice it to say, I think I got my point across. The point here is, so when I go back and listen to things like that I sometimes scream because I'm like you know what I could have re-edited that or does it is it in the grand scheme does it really matter I don't think the wanders care and really my guiding principle is is to be true to the audience because over the past two years I feel like we've gotten to know them Mm -hmm. and I, I know our audience enough to know that they don't give a fuck about that now if we if we get a fact wrong about Something important like Uncle Jojo or (laughs) our therapy or child like something important, yes. But a Super Bowl number, no one, not our listeners, don't care about that. They probably fast forwarded through all that anyway.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She's like they did. Absolutely. (laughs) For me, it is. Anytime, again, all of the bloopers, anytime I'm mixing up Jennifer Lewis and Jennifer Lawrence, who are two very different.
1: One's white and one's black. That's the main difference. But there are several other differences.
0: One is the mother of Hollywood and the other is not. (laughs) So um, those moments, all of the bloopers, sometimes my audio things, I noticed, and I'm going to do it right now, just so the Wonders can hear it. Sometimes I kind of smack in the mic (laughs) and I hate that sound and I'm like Bianca stop doing that but I can't
1: but you know as the editor of the show you know how many smacks I've cut out you know how many times (laughs) I've saved you from (laughs) smacking. so the ones that get through are just the ones I don't catch you you can pop your mouth 10 times and I caught nine of them
0: I hate these (laughs) mics I hate these mics so much capture all of the things or when i think the mic is low and then i'm listening to it the next morning all of a sudden i get real loud and i'm like bitch why are you so loud i cannot i don't know what settings you have your things on that has you at the same tone every time but that is not what is happening over here the
1: secret i'll tell you the secret i'm a graduate of the donnie simpson school (laughs) of talking you know how he would always talk in that same monotone sexy like his voice never got too high or too late was always the same you always knew exactly what you want to get that's I have a I have a degree from that from the Donnie Simpson school of talking
0: that that's what it is
1: you know what it is what a gift
0: you got your money's worth
1: by the way let's do a segment on like that 80s and 90s like shows like TRL, Video Soul. We should do a, sh- a whole mm. segment oh, on like soul. our favorite aspects of all of those. Oh my god, it was so
0: good. Video Soul was a time.
1: That little mm. cheap couch in that little cheap video.
0: <laughs> I can see it. I can see it like it was yesterday. You remember? <laughs> and then what was it like, BT After Dark?
1: <laughs> oh, I never saw After Dark. What was that?
0: Oh, when they were playing like just all of the, the raunchiest videos. The nasty of stuff? Videos. Oh, yeah. I,
1: I wasn't allowed to watch that because you know I'm from a Christian home
0: you had had no
1: morals you had no morals
0: that's it Doreen would go to bed and I'd be turning shit on
1: (laughs) did you have a least favorite episode you know when I saw that in the arc I really tried to think if I'm being honest it doesn't come to mind immediately I would have to think about it now I don't want to call because there was a guest in this particular show that I'm thinking of and you're gonna know what I'm talking about we got some feedback from the Wonders that it just didn't land with them. Mm. And they felt like some of the things that were said just didn't need to be said. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that that's my least favorite. I just had, I thought we could have maybe asked better questions, maybe edited it better. Maybe just invited someone else. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the closest thing to my least favorite. But even that one, you know, I have some affinity for that person. I just didn't, I felt like it just didn't work out the way that we envisioned.
0: I... Agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Yes. And there's a few episodes where we have gotten some feedback and I'm like, ah, yeah. But for me, was to- it the
1: reparations that you got
0: all wrong? <laughs> no, joke. people were coming with receipts. Okay. <laughs> I was like, Okay, get me together because wonders. What I always appreciate is when you get y'all getting them inbox and be like, No, this is that's that's not correct, sis. And I and I appreciate that, but they you know give us feedback that sometimes I don't even share with you because it might be about you, anywho. <laughs> I think not necessarily my least favorite, but. My cringiest episode, I think, for me, is probably the pilot episode. Not even just the audio situation, but it is one of those. I tell people, like, when when people are like, "Oh, you have a podcast," and I'm like, "Yes, you should listen, not to the pilot, but just start where <laughs> I mean, you want to." I felt nervous and discombobulated and just all over the place. And you had the three questions. Okay, I can be honest here. I don't think I read the arc that you sent over. <laughs> So when it was like three questions, what the hell is he talking about? So it was a lot of like ad-libbing and coming up with shit off the fly. So not my favorite, but it's, it kicked us off to over a hundred episodes later.
1: I'm going to tell you why I like the pilot.
0: Hmm. Um,
1: I would have preferred that your audio be turned on. So that Shut part. up. <laughs> but the growth and your willingness to be vulnerable and open with your audience from that moment to today is like night and day. So I actually encourage people to like, listen to where you started and where you are now. And it's like, it's, you're the same person I can, I can vouch. It's the same woman, but you're the, the Bianca that you've been willing to show here has completely changed.
0: I would Agree one hundred percent. I don't know at what episode I was like, "Well, fuck it, <laughs> they gonna get what they gonna get." <laughs> I don't know. Try I don't know get. when that. I don't know when that happened, but I was just listening to, um. So you know, I listened to the read, and they just had their ten year anniversary show, and a few weeks ago, I listened to like their pilot episode or their second episode, and it sounded, talk about growth. <laughs> they sound nothing the way they do now like it's just very different but you know i probably started listening i think i'm probably like four years in so i I wasn't hip to it 10 years ago but just to look back and so i think whenever we get to however many years we get to people might also look listen to that pilot episode of like "Ooh, child y'all came a long way
1: i have one that's not here in the arc that maybe we can uh add if you don't mind what show would you tell the Wanders to go back and listen to we're, we're two years in? What's the one show they need to go back and make sure they listen to?
0: Oh, good question Um oh, so many, but recently, I have gotten a lot of feedback on the Blacky Black Black show that we just did and so probably that one I would say, yeah, like if you want to be more recent, start there or. Anything in Orgasmic October? <laughs> You're so silly. What would you?
1: That was <laughs> so silly. Which, um, which show would so you recommend? I still think that the Zodiac episode just—I think that for people that are trying to understand me and where I'm coming from—that show just kind of centers it all. Go listen to that. The Madonna episode—it goes without saying. Come to Jesus. Great, great show where we talked about religion and faith and. I think both of us were very forthcoming in that show. That was very good too. So those are three shows actually that I would recommend to people if you haven't listened to, to give it a try. But you know, you can't go wrong. There's there's so many gems, so many gems in there.
0: Also, is it mess? Our poly questions. That is one of my favorite. Show of the year from last year. That's is it one it of my favorites. <laughs> and I would also say, any although we just talked about how one particular episode wasn't great but I feel like any episode where we have uh guests on I always I always tell people to to go back and listen to those two because we've just had some really great people and I think when we have guests on like that's also where we shine so just different perspectives (laughs) what a time happy birthday to us in this week's Gotta Do, we are wrapping up Fit February with the amazing psychotherapist and founder of Urban Playology, Xanthia Johnson. Hey, Fran.
2: Hey, Bianca.
0: So, I am, I am honored to have you on the show, to have this conversation, to just, one, it's been a very long time, I think, since we have been in each other's sphere so, this feels really great. It is amazing to have you on. How are you feeling today?
2: Well, I'm grateful to have an opportunity to talk with you and Isaiah a bit about the kiddos, the young loves, and everything surrounding that group. And yeah. you have fun doing it.
0: I love it. I love it. So, I was thinking about when you and I were texting about having you on the show and I was getting really excited and probably like texting in all caps because I have no um, behavior. (laughs) So if you don't know, we've been doing this series called Fit February, where we've just been talking about different aspects of our wellness all month. And we don't often spend a whole lot of time focused on youth. And as a mother of some (laughs) youths. and especially i talk a lot about mental health so this feels just perfect like it just definitely feels insane for us to have this conversation today because i have so many questions and just want to get your thoughts on so many things as it relates to youth and their mental health but before we even get there um tell us about yourself who you are what you do and your why
2: I'm Xanthia Johnson. I'm the owner and CEO of Urban Playology. We are a boutique private practice in Washington, D.C., and we work primarily with Black women and marginalized groups and allies to help massage the trauma that they've been dealing with. Majority of the folks that make their way to us are doing quite well in life. Uh, They just need a little bit of support uh, to get back out there in the game of life and with confidence. And so, We don't hold anyone hostage. You know, once they're ready to fly, we say fly, fly away, Um, but come back if you need to connect with us once, a member of our family, always. Um, My training is in play therapy. I became a registered play therapist supervisor, which is the highest credential recognized through the Association for Play Therapy. And uh, since then, I've had all kinds of integrative training and you know, around healing, so yoga therapy, sound bath healing, we primarily utilize creative expressive arts therapies, creative arts therapies, because when people are talking about their pain, they stay from the neck up. The the only way to really heal pain is to move it through the body. And so even harnessing expectations from with new clients, you know, that, listen, you know, we will talk. We will also hum, we will sing, you will move, you will make art to be invited to make art. We have to move the hurt through the body.
0: So that's what we do. That is so um, amazing and beautiful, and literally the idea of moving it through the body because I think of a lot of times when I am sad or I'm angry, like where I feel that in my body <laughs> where, oh, no. it, where it shoulders jaw, neck back all of the things and sometimes i think you're right sometimes talking about it just isn't enough um but you had a there's a quote on your website that moved me where you said i need to be the kind of therapist i wanted to see i have to be the therapist i'd want a, want loved ones to be able to see
2: don't nobody want no whack therapist.
0: <laughs> Period. do want no whack ass therapist. That you part. The <laughs> oh, okay.
2: Done. You know, I mean, I think that therapists, we get into this work because we want to help. We also do have to take care of our own mental health. And we have to take care of our own mental health in individual and supported silos. We cannot use the, the suffering of others, of our clients, to run away from our own trauma. We cannot be trying to fix them because there's, there's nothing to be fixed about them. Even, even the most wounded is, still has a high level of resilience. I mean, black people. We we've been resilient for however long. I mean, come on. I think that therapists have a wonderful opportunity to do parallel work with clients in a way that leaves more room for the client to really have the journey that they deserve to have. You know, so over talking clients, uh, telling them, giving them advice, weighing in on things they haven't even asked us about, base in the voice. I mean I just don't understand that. You know and you know with, as an instructor clinical instructor at Trinity in the graduate program you know a lot of my students went on to do have gone on to do great things because that's what I expected them to do that it really was a shock for them to see how much their fantasy of being there of being a therapist was so different from what it actually is. If you're a therapist, if you're a bomb ass therapist, you should be able to sit with a client for 50 minutes in silence. And that's what the client wanted it. I love then, it. Fix your face. Keep your face all fixed.
1: I love it. 100%. So Xanthia, welcome. It's nice to meet you. I'm meeting you for the first time. And it's a shame that this is a podcast, not a television show. So for the wonders, she has on this amazing camel colored hat. <laughs> that's wide and beautiful. She has on a pair of frames better than any that Bianca's ever
0: placed on her face. She's just looking great.
2: (laughs) My frames are Bianca's frames.
0: Petty is his love language, so just carry on.
1: (laughs) So so Xanthia, that was my way of saying, you look great and welcome. I was perusing your website, and I I appreciate that you started with um, a little bit about your background and what your organization does. But for folks that are completely unfamiliar, like myself, talk to us a little bit about how you use creative expression and play in your work, only because I feel like for a lot of folks that might sound foreign.
2: Sure. So, play therapy is a modality, it's a systematic modality that allows trained professionals, professionals who are trained in play therapy, to provide a level of treatment for. clients that is very unconscious okay and so we typically use play therapy you know I want to make sure that people understand that this is for the for the generation so children take to it because play is their work play is their work they use miniatures sand trays we use puppets I utilized a form of play therapy, which was very child-centered. So really following the child's lead. With adults, it may have been a bit more directive. It's more more directive, particularly if we're considering maybe like a sand tray experiential. And so in sand tray, for example, there are archetypes and miniatures that are placed in a sandbox and it's uh, waist high and it has hypoallergenic sand inside of it, and people can create a story with the miniatures in the sand. On the surface, this sounds pretty immature, I think, to some people, but there's something really powerful about what gets unearthed. It, It taps into that part of the nervous system, into our neurobiology that helps us create more meaningful connections between our experiences and our beliefs and our values you know so for example if a person puts you know a hippo in the middle of the sand tray you know it might say that hippo was right there in the middle of the sand tray look at that hippo and then the client may say something like yep she is overwhelmed she is by herself she doesn't want anybody around her She doesn't care if she ever sees anyone, another hippo in her life for the rest of her life. client is telling you their experience in the world. And so we stay with them in that metaphor and follow their lead. If they decide to step out of the metaphor and say, you know, I feel like the hippo sometimes. I think I feel like the hippo a lot. Then we meet them there. If they want to stay with the narrative of the hippo, they can do that. And... We usually usually give the sand tray a title. They're allowed in my practice. They're allowed to take a photo of it. And in my practice, I leave the sand tray erected and disassemble after the client leaves. The reason for that is that I'm gonna hold the story and hold your story in its integrity until you physically exit the space in honor of you and all you've been through. You know, I may spend time with the Santre or I may myself do a Santre in response to the work that we did. We just did the Santre work that we just did. And then we build from there. Uh, people have lots of physical ex- responses to that projection and and to having that witness, that trained witness, that therapist there. So I've ha- I have extensive training in, in Santre therapy too. And, Big part of that training is doing your own sand tray work. So I have boohooed over my own sand trays a million times. Healing tears. Sometimes I just have
0: to pause to cut, to, to, yeah, to take it all in because I had never heard of sand tray therapy before. And so now I am even more curious in terms of what that looks like for. Um, adults play therapy I am more familiar with and and fascinated by because even as you say like for children that is their work to watch um, my kids are eight and ten and I think about watching them especially when they were a smaller play and create these stories and or these drawings of how they were experiencing the world I was like aha just that alone sometimes was telling me about the kind of experience they were having and the kind of mama I was being. So noted. So let's talk a little bit um, specifically about youth, right? About the, the work that you do. And then also how, how's the best way to engage youth in, in therapy, either as um, a response to something that we know is going on or, I don't know preventative or because me personally, I feel like therapy is for everybody. <laughs> like there is something that um, that we can gain from just having that that space, that that safe space. Um, but what does that look like, and how do we go about that for for young people?
2: Well, what's interesting is that the new generations of youth know exactly what therapy is, and they're pretty attuned to whether they feel like it's something that they need. The majority of the youth that make their way to urban playology identify us as their providers. They say, listen, mom, dad, you know, parent, auntie, can you please schedule an appointment for me with this person? So they are very clear, you know, about what therapy is. I think you know, so I think that's one set of, of individuals, young people. And then I think there's another group of, individual, of, of young loves, as I call youth, who would benefit from therapy, that they're still carrying around a lot of the stigma attached to what it means to go to therapy. I want it to be said here, therapy is not for people who are going quote unquote crazy. I have to say quote unquote crazy the way I would say quote unquote normal. Because normal, quote unquote normal, is only a setting on the dryer. okay? So for youth who need our support but are carrying around the stigma, uh, dealing with the stigma, I think that's when parents and caregivers can really step in and help dismantle some of the stigma that is attached with seeking support. If you have enough wherewithal to seek support, that means you are ready to fight for your life. You have tried any and everything you know to try, and you're ready to have some support. So the youth that make their way to our practice, they get to lead the way. A lot of the work is working with parents to help build their allyship around therapy. You know, if I meet with your young love for 50 minutes and then on the car ride home, you all have a situation that 50 minutes of healing has just been unraveled and once felt sweet. So never underestimate the power that you have as a parent on your child. All children want to do, even the most oppositional ones, is to please their parents. No matter what they say, they just want their parents to be proud of them. And for the youth who have endured this pandemic, the trauma is real. They've had to navigate grief in a way that made space and time more, 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 more relevant. See, they could hurt at school and go through their trials and tribulations at school and they kind of put on a face when they got home. But now you're in, in the house with, with your parents, with your caregivers, the cat, the dog, the plants, and you're on, on the computer going to school with your bully right there, chatting at you direct message while you're in class, Pictures of you or circulating around that you didn't authorize. So I just want to be clear that the cyberbullying has really taken off. And we're seeing it in young people as in people as young as three, four, five years old, because their nervous systems now know only how to engage through the screen. And so for them, they do a lot of protecting of their parents. They even sometimes come to therapy and are reluctant to share because they want to protect their parents, you know, because a lot of parents are saying, you know, well, you don't need to tell all of our business in therapy, focus Mm -hmm. on yourself. And so it can sometimes create a level of ambivalence for young people, you know, about what to share and exactly how to heal, how to, how to utilize the space while also to taking care of their parents. Kids come to therapy to take care of their parents.
0: (laughs) Say more on that, because I think that's very interesting. And I don't think I've thought it that way.
2: Every young person, if every young person's goal in life is to please their parents, when they go to therapy, the goal is to help reduce their parents' concerns for them. (sighs) As a parent, you are the center of their universe. You're in their dreams. You're everywhere in them and they pick up on things they know when you're sad they know when you haven't eaten they know when you're arguing they know when you're smoking a cigarette out back near the trash can
0: so then how do we especially as parents how do we help to ensure or to let our children know that therapy is for them and not to please us like i think we we see and we you know i am very candid on this show so so we see and we we recognize um, as a parent something that might be going on with our child and therefore we take the steps to to seek out support right but how do we tell them or let them know that it's not for us so to speak but because we love them and we want them to be okay Does that make sense?
2: Yes. We have to meet them where they are. Mm. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: We have to meet them where they are. We have to acknowledge how much they worry about us. Sometimes the behavior is due to worrying about the parent.
0: I'm unpacking that in therapy now. (laughs) Unpack.
2: Unpack. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Unpack. Erica said it. Yeah. And I I am, I like what you said about stigma and the fact that especially this generation of kids are are seeking out the therapy, like seeking you out. I think that's, that's amazing, that whole shift. We talk very openly about therapy in my home. No one knows every other Friday at 7 a.m. when I'm going out to the car, he'll be like, you going to talk to your therapist? Yes, I am. <laughs> we normalize it here, right? And so um i because i i i know that i never want him to think or or my daughter to think that seeking out professional help or going to therapy is something that is taboo or there's quote unquote something wrong with them or what have you um but everything you said about this also this pandemic has I mean it's changed adults and and kids and um in a way that how do we even begin to heal from that?
2: I think it's really hard as a parent we have to work on building a nervous system to tolerate instances where our children reject us. Babies are cute, but they reject the hell out of you. Kids reject the hell out of you. I don't want that. Ooh. I don't like that mommy, you got big teeth. They say things, they do things. And it's just like, I really didn't ask you that, but okay, just, you know. So it's really widening our container as adults to tolerate the impromptu experiences that we have with our kids, you know, to be able to check in and say, you know, what's going on with me, you know? What's happening with me? What, what am I feeling in my body right now? And then to be able to shift to does my young person? What does this child need? And parenting, this is going to be very offensive to some. It is a form of loving narcissism. Say more. <laughs> As a parent, we have hopes and dreams for our kids. It's very clear. And we take a lot personally young people are trying to tell us something. If our containers as adults are right-sized, we'll be able to hear what they're trying to tell us. That if that tape starts playing, shit, you get more than I get than I got when I was at your age. You know, I would have gotten popped in the mouth for that. You know, I think she really does deserve a big, you know, an ass whooping. You know, I haven't spanked her yet, but I'm really thinking about it. All of that is because you're experiencing rejection from your kid. And they're trying to use their behavior to tell you what's going on with them, you know? So I am in no way, shape, or form saying that you should let your child run around before Helen Keller without, before Annie Potts, because we know Helen Keller was a mess before Annie Potts stepped on the scene. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that as a parent, you get to be lovingly nosy, lovingly nosy, find a way to make them tell you every damn thing. Ooh
1: that part. You know what, as you're speaking, so I had my next question teed up for you. And then you said the last two minutes, now I have five different questions. I could go in five different directions. Let me see if I can kind of kind of put a capstone here and then kind of pivot to the question I was going to ask you, Xanthea, which is that part of the reason why we're so happy that you're here and part of the reason why Bianca in particular, but both of us writ large, keep bringing up this topic is because we feel like There's more work for us to do as a Black community to demystify therapy in general and to just have a new normal. And so that the idea that this is something we want to do is not uppity or bougie or like some sort of seen as some sort of like luxury, but instead seen as a part of our overall health. And I have also shared on this show how my family has struggled with this and the stigma in particular. From the neighborhood, from extended family, from the church, well, what is, what is the church going to say if Aunt Faye is institutionalized? And even at a young age, I was thinking to myself, why is that even a consideration? The only thing that should be a consideration is her well-being. And if someone in, if somebody feels some sort of way, that's not, that's not Aunt Faye. Why do we even care? Talk to us a little bit about, from your perspective, if you feel like you're seeing any sort of shift writ large in the black community as we face our own demons, our own handed down uh, oppressions. And are we we seeing any shifts in the way that we interface with therapy vis-a-vis when you and I were slightly younger and Bianca was way younger because she's the oldest here.
2: (laughs) More shade, yay. One thing I think, you know, that I've also, too, that's been part of my journey, I would say, in the last couple of years, is that there's been a commitment to understanding the impact of internalized racism on how I show up in the world. I thought I knew and I thought I understood, but I didn't know anything. And so really now being able to recognize when that internalized racism is talking versus when my heart is speaking to me, speaking to my soul. When that not good enough, when that imposter syndrome, that was imposed on me, that was put on me. Okay. You know, I grew up in the South, you know, and I grew up in a place where you didn't ask questions. You didn't say, well, that's uncomfortable. You just sucked it up where you didn't get to say, I don't understand. You know, I want to just share this with you all just to kind of give you an example. So yesterday I had a bit of car trouble and the tow truck driver came out and my car had to be towed to my home I lied to you not he looks at me and he says do you have anybody who can pick you up and I said no sir you know we're in the middle of nowhere you know I'm just not comfortable having you in my truck anymore you know and I said really he was non-black I said even if I'm wearing a mask he said yeah you know with the pandemic and everything you know keep in mind we are having a conversation in the parking lot no mask We're engaging. What happened from the time that he talked to me on the phone and agreed to take me to the location where my car was going to be unloaded to now?
1: You know what happened? You gave that good, good white lady voice on the phone.
2: That's right. (laughs) I had to catch an $80 Uber to go to the location where my car was being dropped off because of the pandemic and everything. Mess. So when I go back to internalized racism, I mean, you know, before I would have been outraged or try to put my outrage somewhere in a nice little box to not rust ruffle, you know, rust ruffle any feathers and to just try to try to get back to my life and to not give that person any power. You know, my black behind it. I got up this morning. I had my little healthy vegan breakfast. I called triple A. And I said, I would like to report a very unfortunate experience I had with one of your providers. I feel that racism was perpetrated against me and that this man was essentially paid to be overtly racist towards me. And I didn't appreciate it. If he did it to me, he's doing it to other people. And we deserve better. You know, so when we think about, when we go back to, you know, this piece about the stigma of mental health, you know, being able to say, historically, I've been taught that I have to figure things out on my own. Historically, I've been taught to be invisible. That's not my voice in my head telling me that therapy, if I have children on something. Therapy is a waste of money. You know, therapy is Therapy is dumb. Not even clients, you know, young people. And it's because we've been told that we are not allowed to take up space. If we believe we're not allowed to take up space, what's going to make us feel comfortable with leaning into our own wellness? It just keeps us in survival mode. I don't need no therapy. That's survival mode. We're here to survive, but then ultimately to thrive. That's the goal of, of life and living. You know, so when we think about, you know, my my perspective is very different, you know. So now, you know, for me, it is being able to have those uncomfortable conversations, being willing to say, you know, I just want to let you know that this was an uncomfortable exchange for me. And I think that I deserved a bit more than this. And I'll have to figure out the next steps for how to advocate for myself a bit better. I just wanted to let you know, though. 100%.
1: And thank you for sharing so much of that hit home, particularly when you talk about our worthiness to take up space and to lean into our own wellness. I mean, we could do, we could, we could have you back and talk uh, really a whole segment just on that because you do listen to this show. I know you're very familiar with what I'm going to ask you next, which is resources, books, podcasts for the other wonders. Where do you want to direct them if they need to learn more about this topic to learn more about the work that you do, to just become more versed in, in, this, in this space?
2: So there are a couple of resources that I will share and send get to you all. Of course, my website is www.urbanplayology.com. I also, too, am a co-founder of the Compassionate Anti-Racism Project, where we help white people leverage their privilege to be a voice for the voiceless, and so these are white people who are ready to do work and meaningful work for the kids in their lives, for the for their family members They just want to do better, and that's an experiential offering that we have. I will also, to share, there is a wonderful poem by Khalil Gibran. He is originally from from Lebanon and spent some time in Boston. He has a poem that is entitled On Children, where he talks about the boundaries between children and their parents, the real boundaries between children and their parents, the loving boundaries between children and their parents. There is also an article about white supremacy in the office. And it was the first article that I read where I got to see, oh, perfectionism. I borrowed that from white people. Because in the village where my people grew up, everything counted. There was no perfectionism. There was beauty with flaws. They didn't even have the word flaw in some of the other languages. Oh, the written word is more important than the spoken word. Oh, that was passed down to me from white people. So it was the first place where I got to really start doing this really tough work and it it hasn't been easy, but it's definitely been worthwhile. I also to have a couple of other resources that I'll share with you all that you can share with your folks that are there is a there is a yoga class for young people. It's the only one that I know in in Maryland taught by a Black instructor. I want to make sure that everybody understands I'm all for the marginalized community and I'm all for allies, okay? And I don't have, you know, I have love in my heart for all. I have patience in my heart for all. But I'm fighting for my life. I plan to be here for a long time. And I have to learn how to say what I have been taught not to say. There's a theory called the self-silencing theory. I'll share that with you all as well. And it's a theory that describes what happens to people of color, black people. When we're in compromising situations, we have been taught to self silence. And the medical conditions that are are most manifested from that above heart, heart disease, Diabetes and stroke is binge eating, the number one killer for us. You know, so I'll share about that. and I have there is a, a blog on our website about parent allyship as related to the therapeutic experience. And so it's just a guide for parents to navigate some of the some of the you know the journey of of being a parent with a child that's in therapy. Um, you have to participate as therapy as you know in the therapy the more you participate the better your child gets i also am going to share breathe which is a space for black people that we meet we i am a facilitator of one of four a five facilitators it is a free space that meets on wednesdays at noon once a month on the i think it's the third wednesday of the month you register and come to zoom and we have a meditation and we have a structured program to that meets we meet for an hour where we support each other around themes of about community and finding our own voices in the world. I also too have an article, there's an article that I was quoted in about how important it is for adults to have fun. As people of color, we put fun last. We actually have to bring it, find a way to put it higher up on the on the list for us it helps relax the nervous system so that we can utilize that prefrontal cortex of the brain to figure out the things that are hard
0: thank you i have a i have a besides your manifesting dopeness t-shirt which is one of my favorites um (laughs) i have a, a sweatshirt that says black joy is revolutionary and I wore it recently in like, I think I was in Target. I was somewhere and this this um, elder, this black man, he was like, yes, that's why I'm joyful all the time. I was like, yes, and go have fun. <laughs> because it, it you're right, we, we put it last for a variety, for a variety of reasons. Um, but what does it look like when we center fun and we center joy and healing um, in our life
2: just yeah it doesn't have to be a large over like a big overture like if you're washing your hands at the sink that soap feels good on your hands Mm. enjoy that soap on your hands look at your hands getting all clean it doesn't have to be some (laughs) grand overture it's the things Mm -hmm. that we overlook oftentimes you know you eat that put your you know sink your teeth into that food that you just made you like your own food come on now come on somebody you know stop your foot you know, so it, it doesn't have to be a big overture, just something that you're willing to acknowledge. And because we are looking, we are so goal-driven in the world, we, we skip over some of the most wonderful things that are happening in our lives and folding right before our eyes.
0: And scene. <laughs> the doors of the church are now open. <laughs> you have been... Um... You've been amazing. I am just uh, honored to know you all of these years, and I am uh, grateful for the work that you are doing and the the experience and the healing that you're doing in our community. So thank you, thank you, thank you, and more importantly, thank you for coming on. Go ahead.
2: Let your kids know that you love them. And don't follow it up with an insult or a criticism. Okay, let your kid know that you love them, and let them know something that you appreciate about them. And drop the mic. Surprise them with surprise them with praise and encouragement every day. You can be extra with it.
0: I shall. Yes, and yes these kids know mommy is their hype man so but i think that that is so important because it felt good when i received it from my mother whenever it came you know so thank you that is that's a word thank
2: you to everybody who's a parent it is the hardest effing job in the world like why do parents not get paid like a billion dollars a month
0: a month because that's how much it costs to also raise them.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you matter as a parent. And sometimes we have to recognize that we, we go, we're we not always going to get that recognition in the ways that we're expecting it from the kids. But I just want you to know that as a Black woman, I appreciate everything that you do, everything that you do for your kiddos. And it it is going to work out. It's all going to work out in the end. It's going to work out in your favor better than you ever could have imagined.
0: Thank you. I I received that. Thank you. Xanthia Johnson, Urban Playology, amazing, 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 amazing. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me. Keep up the great work, Ward and Webster. Y'all are on your way.
1: Thank you so much. You're in the first episode of season three. So we appreciate you being here and keep listening. And it's so nice to meet you. And I can't wait to see what you wear next time you come on. (laughs) Exactly.
2: (laughs) We'll definitely be styling and profiling just for y'all.
1: Hey, love it. Bye, darling. Thank you. All right. So let's wrap it on up and get on out of here. This week, what you need to know is that not all dream dictionaries are made equally. And you need to be discerning when you're deciding which dictionary you want to buy. And maybe you don't need to buy one at all. You could just use your good old Twitter machine. (laughs) I'm sorry, your good old Google machine and just call it a day, save $15. That's what you need to know. What you gotta feel is some love and affinity for us because this is our anniversary, the beginning of season three, send us gifts to our homes. Bianca's going to send me something Southern. And what you got to do is remember that Fit February was a thing. This was our last Fit February um segment. What you got to do is visit Urban Playology to learn more about Xanthi's organization and really consider whether or not it is going to be right for you, your children, your family. Bianca, before we move any further
0: how did you feel about february not only today's edition but the whole series i think it was i think it was cute i think it was cute definitely again things in threes so having three series a year feels manageable so maybe we'll bring it back next year um plan ahead do some different things kind of sprinkle some stuff but i think we've had some really um we had great guests and great content as always Thank you to um, Amari on hypnotherapy. That was a good episode, too. Um, Xanthia Johnson, thank you, thank you, thank you for giving us an opportunity to get in touch with our own inner child. So, a gift.
1: Maybe I should have asked her about my dream and maybe she should have. Damn it. (laughs) Missed opportunity. (laughs) Anyway, advertise with us, reach out to us via email at wardenwebster at gmail.com to learn how you can advertise on this iconic show and visit our website at wardenwebster.com every Saturday morning for new episodes and if you need to write that down
0: it's wardenwebster.com it's not or wherever you listen to podcasts including spotify
1: (laughs) new mugs coming soon under merch it's going to happen. I'm going to manifest it. Please do. I, I beg your pardon? Please do. You promised me a mug. Carry on. Can you close out now? <laughs> it's been like 12 hours. I am Isaiah Mugless Webster.
0: <laughs> I am Bianca Booked and Busy Ward. <laughs> Thank you for listening. <laughs> and we're out. <laughs>